Now, normally I like to start right out with the scripture, um, but uh, for those of you who don't know, we've been doing this uh, Christ in Cinema series and really been spending the chunk, uh, the majority of it, looking at all these different fascinating characters in the movie Encanto. And um, as I thought about today uh, and I thought about some of the characters, um, the character that uh, I really wanted to take a moment and look at is Mirabel's mother, Julieta. We've got a picture of her here. There's Julieta. Um, and uh, now instead of asking you all who has watched Encanto, because I'm sure by now, sure by now, you've all watched it, right? I want you to tell me, this is a little quiz, um, what is Julieta's gift? Raise your hand if you know. Every character in the Madrigal family has a special gift, um, and Julieta has one. I know all three of my kids know. I see Sathya, Eric, and Miria. What's their gift? Shout it out. What's her gift? Healing people with food is what I heard from over here. Is that what you were going to say? Yeah. Does that sound right? Yeah. Okay. Well, you got you to see it if you haven't. Um, yeah, Julieta, with her We've got another picture. There's a scene in the uh, uh, kind of the big opening anthem of the movie is the family madrigal, and uh, Mirabel is talking about all the different gifts of everyone in her family, and uh, she sings about her mom. That's my mom, Julieta. Here's her. The truth is she can heal you with a meal. Her recipes are remedies for real. If you're impressed, imagine how I feel. Um, so you see uh, Julieta, she's got her uh, buñuelos. Uh, the guy comes with a black eye, she gives one to him, and his black eye's all better. And then this guy comes and he's got like a broken wrist or arm, and she gives him some food, and he's all better, and, and gives the thumbs up. Um, so here we are on the first Sunday of the month. It is our custom here at Naperville Covenant to share a meal together. <laughs> Uh, to share the Lord's Supper. We take time in our service to remember and to practice um, this sacrament that Jesus gave his followers. Um, and so I wonder, as we think about Julieta's uh, um, meal that heals, and we think about this sacrament that Jesus gave us, if we might ponder for a moment um, uh, the power of the meal that Jesus has given us in the Lord's Supper. So we'll go back to the origins and uh, look at Luke 22. Of course, each of the Gospels kind of um, tells the story of the Last Supper, um, but I thought it would be interesting to read from Luke's accounting. Uh, it'll be on the screen, but um, it's always great to have your Bible because you never know. You might want to look around and see what else was happening in that context of what was going on. Um, so I'm going to read uh, from Luke 22, uh, verse 14 through 30. Um, you can follow along. When the hour came, Jesus and his apostles reclined at the table. And he said to them, I have eagerly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I tell you, I will not eat it again until it finds fulfillment in the kingdom of God. After taking the cup, he gave thanks and said, Take this and divide it among you. For I tell you, I will not drink again from the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. And he took bread, gave thanks, and broke it, and gave it to them, saying, This is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. 
In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood, which is poured out for you. But the hand of him who is going to betray me is with mine on the table. The Son of Man will go as it has been decreed, but woe to that man who betrays him. They began to question among themselves which of them it might be who would do this. A dispute also arose among them as to which of them was considered to be greatest. Jesus said to them, The kings of the Gentiles lord it over them, and those who exercise authority over them call themselves benefactors. But you, but you are not to be like that. Instead, the greatest among you should be like the youngest, and the one who rules like the one who serves. For who is greater, the one who is at the table or the one who serves? Is it not the one who is at the table, but I am among you as one who serves? You are those who have stood by me in my trials, and I confer on you a kingdom, just as my Father conferred one on me, so that you may eat and drink at my table in my kingdom and sit on thrones judging the twelve tribes of Israel. Word of the Lord. Uh, there's a lot going on there, and uh, we are not going to pick it all apart, okay? <laughs> um, there is a lot going on there, but um, I wanted to kind of set that whole scene of Jesus. This is the night before uh, he is crucified, the night that he will then later go out and be betrayed by Judas, the one whose hand is there with his on the table. Uh, and this scene where Jesus is, is uh, he's doing a lot there. He's, he's giving them uh, this uh, infused meaning to a meal that they'd shared many, many times before, the Passover meal. Uh, this was a, a tradition, uh, an incredibly meaningful tradition for the Jewish people. And here Jesus says, I've been looking forward to doing this with you, and now I'm going to give it a whole new meaning. And if you wonder about the cup, bread, cup, did you notice that? You're like, wait a second. I thought it was always bread than cup. And in Luke, uh, in uh, verse uh, 17 and 18, there's a cup and then the bread and then the cup. <laughs> and thus comes from the Passover tradition. I mean, it's interesting because Luke doesn't give us every detail of the Passover meal. But there were, I think, four cups as part of that uh, traditional meal that was practiced. Um, but we see here... Um, uh, the history of the Passover. We see Jesus infusing new meaning to this meal. We see him pointing towards the kingdom to come. And also, we see him again, as he has throughout his ministry, reminding his followers, those dear men who spent all that time with Jesus and still, in Jesus' last days, were arguing over who was the greatest. And Jesus reminds them again that he is a servant and they are called to be servants. And even the authority that he gives them as leaders, as apostles, as ones who are sent out, it is still to be in the pattern and image of Jesus, the one who is a loving servant who's about to give everything. Now we know that the Lord's Supper, supper this um, this little meal, uh, remembering it, reenacting it, became a, uh, the, a center point for Christian worship even from the very beginning. Uh, and if we look at uh, 1 Corinthians 11, uh, is a place where the Apostle Paul is giving some instructions to the church in Corinth about the Lord's Supper. 
uh, and, it's, uh, and it's clear that these words from Jesus uh, about Jesus taking bread, giving thanks, breaking it, uh, giving the bread, his body broken, the cup poured out. This was kind of the core of their communion liturgy. And so here we are 2,000 years later, right? Um, and it's still the core of our communion liturgy as well. So um, I just want to look at kind of two sides, two aspects of why this meal and uh, if this meal can maybe heal uh, just a little bit. Because the thing is, um, Jesus gave his Holy Spirit, right? God, Jesus gave his Holy Spirit so that we could always be with Jesus. We don't need special bread or special drink, right, to know that Jesus is with us. We can walk around every moment of every day and call on the presence of Jesus Christ. And yet, there is still something special about this sacrament. There is still something special that happens here in this little meal. If anything, we just want to be obedient to Jesus. He says, do this. Do it in remembrance of me. And so we say, okay, well, we'll do it. And as we do it and do it and do it again and again, and we pray and we open our hearts to God, we might find a deeper meaning, a closer following of Jesus. So I just want to think for a moment, first of all, that Jesus chose a meal. That one of the ways that he would say, you are especially going to experience me, you are especially going to have my presence when you share this meal. Okay, we need a few things to live, and food is, is one of the most important, right? I think we all need to stop every once in a while and remember that we, as human beings, are not self-sufficient creatures. We are created with hunger, with a need for food. And even before we were desperate for food and the, the work to, to grow and harvest food became hard after sin entered the world, food was in the Garden of Eden. Right at the very beginning, God gave people food to eat. It was part of that beautiful, uh, um, that beautiful place of perfect communion between uh, people and God. Food has always been right there, and it's a, a theme throughout Scripture. And, and when we stop and think about the fact that we need food to live, we can stop and think about how we need, need a higher power. We need God. We need somebody to take care of us. We, we grow up. We learn how to cook our own food or earn money to go buy a meal, but we still we need somebody, something outside of us, beyond us, to have the daily nourishment, to live, to flourish. And I think that's part of why the simple, simple practice of pausing to pray before a meal is so important. Uh, we pause before a meal to say, we are dependent creatures. We need something. And God, you've provided it once again. Thanks be to God. Thanks be to God. And so when we come to the Lord's Supper as a church community, we are invited to come humbly, to recognize our vulnerability, our need, our dependence on God, our dependence on one another. None of us can do this thing alone. We need the daily bread that God has to provide. 
And of course, Jesus, in, in giving uh, this, this bread, gives us himself. I think, of course, of Jesus in the wilderness when he was tempted, and he said, of course, that uh, man, or I like to say humans, people, men and women, they do not live on bread alone, right? But on the word of God. And Jesus came as the word, knowing that we need him, we hunger for him, our world is broken and we need healing. And so Jesus came as the broken bread to provide, to provide what we need, to heal our hearts, to heal our world. And so when we come to communion, we come with a posture of receiving Jesus. And I want to suggest when you come forward this morning, for communion, that you might come with an actual physical posture of receiving. Just try it, okay? Um, sometimes doing things with our body can help us um, make new connections in our mind, right? Um, so just give it a try and see how that feels to come forward with open hands to receive to receive the sacrament, to receive Jesus. And as you come forward, even just those open hands can be a prayer. But maybe you're, like, you're someone who likes to, to fill it in with words as well. And you can talk to God about what you need to receive from him today. Jesus gives himself as the nourishment that we need, the healing that we need. He gave everything so that we could be united with him, so we can receive his grace, right? We walk forward, we walk towards Jesus, we come to him, but it's a, it's a reception of God's grace, of God's mercy. So there's the, the food aspect of this meal, right? There's the, the vulnerability that we have, that we need something, need something that only essentially God can provide. But then there's this community that gathers around the table. Because when we come to the Lord's Supper, we come to meet with Jesus, to experience his love. But that love, if you know Jesus, it's always spilling out everywhere else, right? And it's love at the center of the meal that also unites us. Um, I'm going to give these guys a heads up to, um, I want to show a clip real quick from Encanto. Now, Julieta, uh, as uh, Mirabel's mom, she doesn't have a song uh, the way uh, some of the other characters do. Um, but there's this little scene of Julieta in the kitchen with Mirabel. And um, in the movie, Mirabel is really struggling because she doesn't have a gift. Everyone in her immediate family has a gift that they can do these amazing things and they can help make a difference. And she feels left out. She feels less than. She feels like she is not um, seen uh, like everyone else in her family. And so she's trying to do what she can because she can also tell that there's something not going right. Um, there's something that needs to be fixed and she doesn't know, quite know what it is. And so she kind of gets in trouble and messes up a family gathering. <laughs> um, and so this scene is uh, Mirabel has actually cut her hand um, in this craziness of trying to find some answers and uh, figure out how she can help her family. Uh, and her mother, of course, offers her um, some food. Julieta uh, offers this arepa to uh, Mirabel, and her hand is healed. And, um, you know, Julieta is trying to convince Mirabel that, uh, you know, you're special too. And she's like, come on, Mom, you just gave me a piece of food and it healed my hand. 
And, uh, and then Julieta corrects her and says, I healed you with my love, right? And not, I, I'm not going to dive too deep into the movie, but really it is, it is the love that ultimately brings healing to the family um, because there is still a brokenness. Even with all these special gifts and magical abilities, there is a brokenness that needs to be healed. And it's only through uh, truth and love that, uh, that real healing happens and full flourishing for every family member happens. But it is the love, the love that is given. Uh, when Julieta gives food to a person, uh, whether it's in the, the town square or in the kitchen of her home, she gives it with love. And that love is what, what brings the healing. Um, and uh, I think that points us to Jesus. Jesus loves us so much that he gave everything for us, for our healing, for our well-being. And he doesn't want to just heal us as individuals. He wants to heal us as a people, heal us as a society. He is ushering in a new kingdom where everyone is seen. Just like a mother's love sees her daughter and says, you are just as special as anyone else. In the kingdom of God, every person has value. Every person has a gift and ability to serve God and to share God's love with the world. And so God brings together a people, okay? This meal is not just about me and God, right? We spend way too much of our time eating by ourselves, don't we? <laughs> And Jesus, uh, one of the countercultural things that he did in his ministry on earth that pointed to this community here was before he even went to the cross, he sat down at table with all different kinds of people. He sat down and ate with tax collectors and sinners. He hung out with Pharisees and answered their crazy questions. Jesus kept company with people all together that would not normally be together. And this is what the kingdom of God is like. It is not what the kingdom of the world is like. Especially back in that day and age, um, a, a meal would be a time where your status was quite evident. Okay, not only would certain people be just completely excluded from meals, but even within one meal, scholars say that uh, the people who are more important would receive better food. And the people who are less important of lower status would receive lesser food and lesser drink. And people just kind of lived with that because that was the status quo. They just assumed that that was how the world worked. And Jesus came and said, you know what, this is not, this is not God's kingdom. No. And so I think part of why Jesus wanted to give us the Lord's Supper as a sacrament where we experience him is so that we could also experience this meal where we see one another. We see one another as the body of Christ. And we can even experience healing in that place. As we invite those who God invites to the table, this place right here doesn't need to look anything like the world out there where we have divisions based on race and class and where, where did you go to school and how long have you lived in the area and all those ways that we kind of figure each other out, right? God brings us together as one community, diverse, different, 
all different kinds of people. We don't lose our identity when we come to the table, but we center our identity on Jesus. It welcomes all. And in 1 Corinthians 11, when Paul is giving those instructions to that church, now that church was a diverse church. There were rich people in that church. There were poor people in that church. Corinth was a place with people from many different ethnicities, and they were represented there in Corinth. And Paul said, when you have the Lord's Supper and there are divisions present among you, the divisions that are out there in the world, it is not the Lord's Supper you practice. He says, this is not the Lord's Supper. It's something else entirely. And so if we are to fully experience the Lord's Supper, the sacrament that Jesus gave us to experience him, we also need to experience the grace that he has for one another the new community that he is creating here, even right here at Naperville Covenant Church. So I want to encourage you to come forward this morning with open hands, uh, come forward this morning with open hands to receive what God to receive his grace and his mercy and his forgiveness and his love that heals. And then I want you to look around. I want you to look around at who's here. Maybe ponder who's not here who you want to be here, who should be at this table, who you know that needs to receive the mercy and the grace of Jesus Christ as well. And so when you pray, when you examine yourself, that was another thing that, that Paul just to the church in Corinth, examine yourself before you come to the table. Don't just examine your own personal sins. Those are real and you've got to talk to God about them, right? But consider how uh, you can be a part of bringing together. What sin and brokenness has gotten in the way of this community fully flourishing as a reflection of God's kingdom, where tax collectors and sinners and Pharisees and rich people and poor people all sit together and feast. Feast with Jesus, who gives himself out of love. So I want to give you a moment um, to reflect on what communion means to you today, what you need, what you need to receive, what you have to give. Uh, and, um, and then we'll pray and move towards the table. So God, we just take a moment in the quiet to come to you to talk to you about where we're at, to open our hands and our hearts to you and all that you have to give us and guide us today.